After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son, and there was an immediate bond of love between them, and they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him at the palace and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a special vow, a covenant, to be David's friend. And he sealed the covenant by giving him his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Let me set this up up today, and this is the crux of the message that I want to give you today. David has been a shepherd, right? And you remember the story of David and Goliath? David goes to deliver his brothers some food, and he gets there, and he sees Goliath out mocking the armies. So what happens? We all know the story. David goes out, takes his sling, smacks Goliath in the head, goes and cuts his head off. The day is saved, right? We all know the story. What immediately happens after that, the next verse is 18.1. And David goes to Saul, and Saul says, uh, tell me about your family. And David replied, his name is Jesse. We live in Bethlehem. And immediately he meets Jonathan. And Jonathan is the prince. He's, he's one of Saul's sons. And Saul and, and David and Jonathan became very close. They became so close that they made a covenant now, I want you to understand, remember we talked about last week, in a covet relationship, things are exchanged. There's an exchange of things that represent things. These are, these are items that represent different things. And if you look here in verse 4, you see that Jonathan gives David, to seal their covenant, Jonathan gives David a robe, a tunic, a sword, a bow, and a belt. Here's what these things represent. When David gives um, um, excuse me. When Jonathan gives David his robe and his tunic, that represents all of his possessions. So Jonathan goes to David and he says, David, I'm making a covenant with you. They both agree that they're going to be in a covenant relationship. They love each other. They love God. And Jonathan goes, I want to make a covenant with you, David. So Jonathan says, here's my robe. Here's my belt. Here's my tunic. All these things represent all the possessions that I have. What he is saying, in effect, is, David, all that I own is now available to you in this relationship. Now, understand something, folks. David is just a kid. What does David own at this point? Nothing. He's got Goliath's head and a sword. I don't know about you. I don't want the head. (laughs) You know, I mean, David doesn't own anything. He's a kid. This prince comes to him and says, David, I'm giving you all that I possess in this relationship. That's amazing to me. When he hands him his sword and his bow, he hands him his sword. And what the sword represents is, David, I am giving you my authority. I'm giving you my power. That's what the sword represents. In other words, David, I'm a prince, and the same authority that I have, I am giving to you. So in this covenant relationship, David has now become a blood brother with Jonathan. It's an amazing thing. Because remember, at this point... David has nothing to offer. He's a shepherd boy. He's just a shepherd boy. But their relationship is so strong. And if you read, and I I encourage you to do this, go through the Old Testament and read the story of David and Jonathan. How many times in their relationship, they had this covenant relationship. And when Saul would go after David, Jonathan would hear this, and he would send a messenger. Or he himself would go to David and say, David, my dad's coming to get you. He was honoring his covenant. He said, David, you need to go away. Over and over again, Jonathan honored this relationship 
But something happened, and many of you remember the story, is that uh, at a battle, the Philistines overtook and defeated the Israelites, and they killed Saul, and they killed Jonathan. And and David had already been anointed king, and, and at this point in time, the nation came into an uproar because the king had been killed, and the other people were saying, now David's going to be king. And if you remember back in those times, and I'll educate you if you haven't, when there was a change in power, you know what happens a lot of times? They would kill everybody from that other family. They would destroy that bloodline. And Jonathan had a son, and Jonathan's son's name was Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. (laughs) Sounds like she's from South Arkansas, doesn't he, with a name like that, right? But Mephibosheth, at this time, at the time, they get this message, okay? You can imagine Mephibosheth's five years old. And I can imagine how it worked is this rider came up riding on a horse and runs into the palace and says, the king is dead. Jonathan is dead, and David's coming. And the whole household goes into panic. Because based on that time, historically, they're going to come in here, and they're going to clean house. He's going to kill everybody. That's what these people think, because that's all they know. And so Mephibosheth's nursemaid picks him up, five years old, and she's running for their lives. Running. And as they go running outside, she trips and falls, and she drops Mephibosheth, and his ankles are crushed. And from that day forward, because he was running from David, Mephibosheth is crippled for the rest of his life. And they flee, and they go as far away as they can where they think nobody will ever find them. And David becomes king. Open up your Bibles, please. Turn it to 2 Samuel Chapter 9. And I looked, Trish and I both studied this out, and I could not find this. I'm some, of you, some of you folks may be able to find it. But years have passed since David has become king. He's been king now for quite some time. And listen to this. One day, David began wondering if anyone and Saul's family was still alive. For he had promised Jonathan in their covenant that he would show kindness to them. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked. Yes, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them in any way that I can. And Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he is crippled. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And when he came to David, he bowed low in great fear and he said, I am your servant. Now I want you to understand something here. It has been years. Mephibosheth has been living in exile, self-imposed exile. He has been told by everyone around him that he has to stay in hiding. Why? Because if David finds out you're alive, he's going to kill you. And by the way, 
the reason you're crippled is because of David. Because we were running away from him. How many times do you think he heard that story growing up? Every day, maybe he was reminded every day when he got up and couldn't walk around. Do you think he liked David? Do you think he did? He probably had a lot of hatred and anger in his heart, didn't he? He was a prince of Israel. And then one day he went from being a prince to going to Lodabar. Well, I love the internet. <laughs> and I decided, decided that I was going to look up what the word Lodabar meant. So here's what I found out. If you study it out, Lodabar, which is where they ran to, where Mephibosheth ran to, means no pasture, land of nothingness. Mephibosheth ran away to a place where there was nothing. And he's been living for years in self-imposed exile in a land that doesn't produce anything. He doesn't have a very happy life. So David, one day, as he's king, and he's sitting there thinking about his covenant relationship with his friend Jonathan. And he was rehearsing in his mind how Jonathan and he had this covenant relationship. And how Jonathan had blessed him and had taken care of him. And David is compelled in his heart. And he says, you know what? I need to find somebody. I need to find somebody that I can pay back all the love and the relationship and the friendship that Jonathan showed me. Surely there's got to be somebody. Surely there's got to be somebody. And he finds his servant and he says, yeah, there's this guy. Now what do you think Ziba thought? When, when David went to him and said, hey, is there anybody left? I guarantee you, I would imagine, that Ziba's first thought was, oh, he's going to go clean house now. He's going to see if there's anybody left. And I can imagine when all the soldiers show up in Lodabar to pick up Mephibosheth. Oh, it's over now. Oh, it's over. You're done. And they bring Mephibosheth into the palace. He can't walk. And this poor crippled boy comes up and he falls. It said he falls down in front of King David. And I, I, I know what happened. David is trying to find somebody that he can show his covenant relationship to. He wants somebody that he can show the love that was given to him because he understood covenant. And here is the son of his friend. On his face, thinking he's about to be killed. He is ignorant of the covenant. He has no idea that there's a relationship here that is blood relationship. And I can imagine the tears streaming down David's face as he thinks you've been hiding your whole life, thinking I was going to kill you. I didn't even know you existed. And I'm looking for somebody that I can bless. And here you are crippled because somebody thought I was going to kill you. And he reaches down and, and he lifts up Mephibosheth. And I can see it. Can you see it? And David goes, no, not at all. And here's what he says. Mephibosheth fell to the ground before the king. Should the king show such a kindness, and this is what Mephibosheth says, to a dead dog like me. 
And here's what the king says. I love this. The king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and he said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Do you get that? The man who was trying to kill him, the king, David looks down at this young man and he says to the entire congregation that's standing there, and he said, Mephibosheth, I am restoring to you the land of your grandfather Saul. I'm giving it all back to you. And then he said, you and your sons and the servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for his family. But David even goes a step further and he says, but Mephibosheth will live here with me in the palace. I'm restoring his land, but he's going to live with me. Ziba, the servant who had 15 sons and 20 servants, replied, Yes, my Lord, I will do all that you commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly with David, get the last line, as though he were one of his sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, moved to Jerusalem to live at the palace. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says this, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Matthew 26, 27 through 28 says this, And Jesus took the cup, and when He had given thanks, He said, and He gave it to them, and He said, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant which ratifies the agreement and has been poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You have got to understand this. You have got to understand this. God has given us all these great and precious promises, but just like Mephibosheth, many of us run away because people tell us, oh, he's going to kill you. God's mad at you. God's mad at you. You come to God, he's going to kill you. He's just going to pop you. He doesn't want you to have fun. God doesn't care about you at all. And yet he's given us all these great promises. And the word says that the eyes of the Lord, what? Run to and fro. God is diligently searching just like David was. Isn't there somebody? Isn't there somebody that I can show these promises to? Isn't there somebody who I can help? Isn't there somebody who I can heal? Isn't there somebody that's willing to come? Isn't there somebody? And then Jesus tells us, this is the new covenant in my blood. He ratifies the covenant. Folks, there is nothing, nothing keeping you from walking into relationship with God. Nothing. Your past does not count. Your crippled feet don't count. And just like David, Jesus more so is reaching down and he's saying, Come to me. 
We've been singing these songs that are saying, come to me, come to me. God's saying in Isaiah, come to me, taste and drink. And yet we look at our past and say, I'm not worthy. You're right. It's not about your worthiness. It's about the grace of God that's more than that. And God is saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I came to break the yoke. The good news is that you can be free. And as we study this covenant over the next couple weeks, I want you to understand these are your promises. You're not supposed to be the tail. You're supposed to be the head. God has said he wants to bless us as we go out and work. He wants to bless the work of our hands. Some of us just kind of stumble into the covenant. But the promises are there. But I can't spoon feed you. You're going to have to go find them. Read Deuteronomy 28. Realize that that's written for you. God wants to bless the work of your hands. He wants to bless your family. All those promises are alive and real today. But do we take them? Or do we do like Mephibosheth and we run away to the pasture of nothing? And we live there and wonder why we're miserable in self-imposed exile. He was a prince and he lived in a pasture with nothing. What about you today? Where are you today? Are you like Mephibosheth? Do you feel like you've messed up? Do you feel like that you don't count? Do you feel like... That God's just mad at you? Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the presence of God is here today. The presence of God was with us in worship. And he's reaching out and he's saying, I can't, there's, I've done it all. I've done everything. But if you won't reach out to me, I can't make it happen for you. And he wants to, folks. He's waiting on us. He is waiting on us. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I just thank you that you've given us these promises, Lord, that there are all these covenant promises in the Bible that are for us today. And Jesus came and died so that we could be free. And Lord, many of us have lived or are living like Mephibosheth. We've gone out to the pasture. We're out in the middle of nowhere. We've gotten as far away from you as we can because we think you're mad at us. Some of us don't even believe that you're God. But Lord, you are God. And Lord, I know there are people here today that you're speaking to their hearts. Lord, you're speaking to them right now. And you're saying, come home. Like the prodigal, you're saying, come home. All I want you to do is take a step in this direction and I'll meet you right where you are. I'll get down in the pit that your life is. I'll meet you there. Because I came to die so that you could be free. I came to die so that you don't have to be sick. I came and I, I died so that you could be free from your chains and your past. I came and died so that you could live a life worth living. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Overflowing to the full, more than you can contain. So the question today is, is everybody's just... This is between you and God right now. Where are you? Because he's reaching out to you and saying, here I am. The word says that his eyes are looking to and fro. He's looking for somebody that he can show himself strong in your behalf. All he wants 
All he wants is you to surrender to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, that's me. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need him. I need help. If that's you, just come down to the altar this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just come down to the altar. He's waiting on you this morning. He's in this place today. He's saying, come home. If you're sick in your body, come down here. If you need help in your finances, come down here. If your family relationship needs to be restored, come down here. If you've got issues with family and friends, if you're tormented in your mind, come down here. Come to me. And I will give you rest today. Father, I just thank you that you're God. I thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for our life. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us great and precious promises that help us in any situation, in any need that we have. Lord, I pray that faith would rise up today. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to speak to people's hearts today. And faith would rise up. And you would restore hearts in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked Him to come in, if that's you today and you know today is your day, today you want to do that, just slip your hand up wherever you are. Say, Pastor, that's me. Today, I need to accept Jesus. I need to receive Him as my Lord and Savior. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've received him before. I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, but I've walked away. I'm like the prodigal. I've been out doing my own thing. I've been like Mephibosheth. I've been hiding, but I want to come home today. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to run anymore. I want to come home today. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else, you say, Pastor, that's me. Let's just pray for a minute, folks. We've got people up here at the altar. We're just going to take time. Amen. Let's just pray for them.
Put your hands on your hearts this morning. We've got folks down here praying. We're going to let them continue to do that. Say this after me. Say, Lord, today, fill my heart. Help me be your hands. Be your feet. Fulfill your promises in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read a couple things real quick. Bob West, as many of you know, is home in your bulletins this morning. She's requested, uh, they're ready to start having some visitors. So if you want to go by and see them and just bless them, contact her and set up a time to do that. And next Saturday, from 9 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon, the kids, the little kids for the Branson trip are going to be doing a car wash up here. So if you've got a dirty car or, or if it's clean, go get it dirty. <laughs> and bring it up here in the parking lot and let's come and let the kids wash your car off. I'm sure the adults will be there to help, <laughs> but we'd appreciate you doing that. You know, I want to brag on you real quick. I, I uh, went to the Chamber of Commerce meeting this week, and, and I walked in, and they said, uh, Pastor, we're glad you're here. We want you to tell us about the backpack outreach a little bit. So I did, and I had a number of businesses come up to me afterwards and said, we want to partner with you in that. I go tomorrow afternoon to look at our 1,000 backpacks in Jonesboro. They're ready to be picked up. Guys, it's about to start happening. God is moving. And let me tell you, He wants to move in this place. He wants to move in your lives. But I want to tell you something. Helping all those people out in our community and introducing them to Jesus, it's about your life too. These promises in this Bible are for you. God wants you to walk in the fullness of who He's called you to be. Jesus has paid the price. If we'll get a hold of that, we will change this region because people are going to want what you have. They're going to want what you have. And when they see the happiness, when they see the joy, when they see your work being blessed, when they see your family being blessed, they're going to say, what are you doing? And you're going to say, you know what? I just realized God loves me and he's got a plan for me. And he's moving in my life and that's it. Amen. Please stand up. I'm going to pray over you and dismiss you today. Father, bless us as we go. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, we just thank you for loving each one of us so much that you died so that we could be free. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless each one of these precious people. Bless their families. Bless their steps. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.